0: In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you because of the gift of wisdom and understanding that you have prepared for us. Thank you for the insight that we are about to receive again today. We give you all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ we have prayed. Alright, can we declare the word of understanding as we begin the study? want want you let us go? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, 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 amen. And ah, that was so good, I feel we should do it again, but it's all right, all right. The Lord is good. I said, The Lord is good. If understanding is your portion, please give me an amen. Amen. Yes, somebody will discover what it is right to do. Yeah, God will lead you in the path of uprightness, the path of righteousness for His name's sake, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said, The Lord is good. We will continue what we have been discussing on Agents of Faith and Light. We have been looking at the fact that we are part of the body of Christ. If God wants to do something on the earth, he goes through people. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the leg of the church. You understand what I'm saying? The arms of the church. We are the stomach of the church. You understand? We are the chest of the church. We are part of his body. The head can determine what he wants to do, but it's the hands that will do it. Do you get my point? Yes, it's the hands that will do the work. It's the legs that will move about. So we are very important in what God is doing. And What I want to talk about today is very, very crucial. Okay? In the, in, you know, we need to understand life again. You know, I want us to know how to interpret life. Life is spiritual fundamentally. What you see outwardly is a manifestation of what is inside in the realm of the spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? So if you want to, you want to control life, you want to affect life, you go to the realm of the spirit and do it from that angle. The realm of the spirit is not the realm that Christians believe in. It's reality. Are you get what I'm saying? It's not as if Christians like to believe it. It is the real thing. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's what it is. I want to bring us to that again, for us to look at light properly from that angle. Because, you see, this life is, first of all, spiritual. What you see physically is derived from that which is spiritual. And we must know how to affect life from the spiritual realm. Okay? You'll see what I'm saying in a moment. So when God wants us to do, when God wants to do something on the earth, it goes through people. That's what we're trying to explain. And I feel so strong in my heart that God wants to do things not just on the earth now, but in this country. Why? Because this country is very important to what he wants to do next on the earth. I'm not being patriotic when I say that. It's not just patriotism. It's a matter of fact. It's a matter of fact. And anytime he wants to do something, if people don't cooperate, what he wants to do will not be done. And Christians must understand that Satan is still crafty. What do I mean by that? He's recruiting them to work for him. They will go to church. They say they are Christians, but they work for Satan. They go to church. They pray. They give money, but they work for Satan. And this interesting part, they don't know. That's what we have been trying to explain to people. Get away from the camp of Satan. Move over to the camp of God. I said something on Tuesday. Alright when I was teaching here that how do you know that you are working for the devil listen to yourself talk if your talk is the same as that of the average person on the street you are working for satan forget how you feel i know you just finished a 2 days or 3 days prayer and fasting you did not eat at all but you are still working for satan why when you open your mouth to you comment on national issues your commentary is exactly the same as a man on the street who does not go to church, you should be ashamed of yourself. Actually, you should be. You'd be ashamed. Say, okay, this one is here, I'm a Christian. Now, let me give you an example. My natural training is in the field of medicine, alright? So sometimes I sit down and I hear people advertise things on radio. You understand? Or a bus is driving past. You know, they, they, they drop, a, a bus drives past you and then you, you hear them, you know, with speakers. These are medicine. <laughs> It's guaranteed to kill you of all staphylococcus. that makes your body eat you. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then sometimes your stomach will be doing broom, 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 broom. Then you are having backache. And then you hear all of those things. And the, you know they are selling. They're selling. Yet, jokers can advertise it, claiming that they will use computer to test you. Now, why am I talking about all of that? Anytime they, I hear those things, do you understand? The way I respond, if it's the same as the, let's even forget, market woman, a lawyer beside me, it shows that I didn't go to medical school. I, I don't know what is my point. Shame on me. So I laugh a lot. Most people don't laugh as much as I do because they don't understand what's funny about me. I know what is funny. They say Staphylococcus. I say Staphylococcus does not make body eat anybody. Every demon has his own problem that it causes. Staphylococcus is his own problem. You know it's a medical word. Microbiologists know about Staphylococcus. It does not cause body itch. We know the things that cause it. So when I hear it, I start laughing. It does not cause back pain. Listen, 99% of what those who claim it causes, it doesn't do that. So one day one of our big churches in Nigeria, they printed the uh, testimonies. And one woman said, the God of this commission delivered me from Staphylococcus. I almost fell down. I have to tell the Lord, please, sir. Sorry, sorry. My brother, they don't know what they are talking about. The woman had the problem, yes. God has delivered her, yes. But God said it was not staphylococcus. Because now, I, why am I talking about all of this? Because of natural training, I react differently to things happening around. I took the day of Ebola. I did not know people were beating with salt water. 6 a.m., my phone rang. I was still sleeping, actually. Or before 6 Early in the morning, anyway, most of us were, were awake. I was still sleeping. My phone and one of our brothers I said, "Please, I'm sorry to wake you up this morning. Please, is it true that if you bathe with salt water, you will not catch Ebola?" I just said nonsense, and I went back to sleep. He said, "Thank you, sir." I went back to sleep to go and finish my portion for the morning or sleep. And so you get in my body. When I woke up much later, I realized the whole of Nigeria was inside the was inside salt water. It was one young university girl that started a joke. A student, of, a student in Futa Akure. And it went viral. Now, why am I talking about it? Because of basic understanding. I just said it makes no sense. You see what I'm going to emphasize now? The way I react to things compared to those around me is affected by what I know. So if you react to things the same way the average young believer around you reacts, it shows you don't know anything. That's all this teaching that I'm talking about. All this example. That's where I'm going. I'm not going to emphasize that believers, if you react to things, that's how you know you don't have any faith. Once a man died, I was talking with another man, a man of God. Now, I've also listened to this. This man died. It was a ghastly accident. Members of his family died. And I was talking to a preacher. He said, this is a problem. They have told the church members to buy him a new car. If he had a new car now, he would not have died, he would have survived the accident. I'm like, Are you serious? Are you trying to joke with me? Hmm. You're a Christian, you don't understand that death is not an accident. There's an appointment. Yes, death is an appointment, it uses different things. And whether your church ba- look, if your church has bought you a new car, you are going to die that day. <laughs> eh? And the car says you will not die. You know what will happen? As soon as they come out and say, praise God, oh, this answer did not kill me. Truck will finish it. <laughs> but when death is determined, ha, ah, David just even told the story of one woman, a Christian woman, 70 something. And they saw in the vision how she died. Everybody felt bad. The woman was knocked down by a bus and she died. A Christian woman. He went to pray. And the Lord answered him, ah, how can such a saint is it Dockers? How can doctors just like die like that? The apostle was praying. The Lord said, ah, I did not want to kill Dockers with a boswell. I made her feel sick small, so that she can just die from small sickness. He said was such, no, her name is not Dukas. I'll just give us an example. That this woman was such a hot and fiery saint, that if she just feels ill small, she will get up in feet and rebuke. Ah, so God will withdraw that one. That it was time to die. This woman agreed. <laughs> so the Lord said the only way she can go is that she must not know the death is coming. So she's about to cross the road. She didn't see the bus. So the Lord just told one bus, please get that girl for, get, get for me. The bus just went, boom, and cleared her out. He said, but just before the bus hit her, the Lord sucked away her spirit. The bus hit an empty body, and she died. And he just said, that's why he got his calm. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That this woman, the God said that was the only way to make her come home. she was too, too too much of a troublemaker. That is like anything. She was too hot spiritually. Now, explain something. So I talked to somebody, they said, ah, wait till how, eh, if you had bought a car now, the man would not have died. That's not good. That, that is nonsense talk. Please, I hope you're following my point here. Yes, how you react to situations in life it shows what you understand. And if you are reacting exactly like the average person on the road, you don't know anything. That's what I'm saying. You don't know anything. When you are commenting politically, on political matters, if your commentary is just like that you hear on radio, when you know, when they gather on radio, you notice ignorant people. You know, sometimes it just make, I switch off for most of those discussions on radio, on TV. People will be saying things they don't know anything about polluting the minds of fellow ignor- ignorant Moses. with more ignorance. Because those ones thought they didn't know anything before, when they now listen to these men who don't know anything too, they now thought they had acquired new knowledge, not know that they are just acquired some le- new level of ignorance, some new level of deception. I hope you're getting my point here. What am I trying to say? Listen, if you want to know whether you have faith or you don't have faith, whether you are working for Satan or working for God, just check how you talk. If you are talking like the average man on the street, you're going to church is a waste of time. It is a waste of time. What have we been talking about? Now, what God wants to do? Listen, He requires you. I need. To, I feel like emphasizing this again. Sometimes God wants to do something, doesn't find anybody. So you know what He does? He leaves the thing undone. Human means I had to find. What did I say? Human means I to find. The useful ones, oh. That's what I mean. People that can be useful, that can be useful for serious things. Yeah. They are difficult to find. God said, "We read that from Ezekiel 22." I sought for one man, I did not find. He stood and shouted, "Say, who shall I send? Who will go for us?" As I had to look to the left and the right, nobody spoke. Jeremiah, got to know, I'm going to mark people that I will spare from this judgment. Jeremiah was shocked that he was the only one that was marked. God went to Sodom and Gomorrah and two other towns in the plain. Do you know what? He couldn't find ten righteous people. People had to find. I'm Look, I'm more convinced of it than ever before. So many things that the Lord wants to do just keeps getting postponed. Why? So I can't find people to use. People are not easy to find. Many times he say, God, we want Christians as as governors. (laughs) God said, let's try. You think it's easy? One, to find somebody, because I don't want anybody that would disgrace me. To find good Christians to put in some of these places that we are begging God to put Christians. (laughs) Because me, I know the heart of people. Even you that's praying, you think I can put you there? (laughs) Say, Lord, I will not be like them. So you have never seen money. Your bank balance, when you hit 150,000, you're almost fainted. That's the highest you've ever seen at a go in your life. day you see 1.5 billion. Elephants will swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> so you are laughing at the person that says snake. <laughs> what am I going to say? Listen, people are not, hard, they are not easy to find. And one of the duties we have, those of us who teach the word of God, is to keep raising people. So when God... Needs people, he will have people to use. Am I teaching to you again in this season? Is to make yourself somebody that God can use. That's what I'm teaching. That's what I'm teaching. Make yourself somebody that He can use. There are different assignments in life, and every day God is always looking for somebody to place in certain places. You no, know, never Johnson gave a prophetic word. It was forwarded to me, you know. I didn't even know that he said it last year. That Billy Graham is about to die. You no, know, it was after the Billy Graham died that somebody forwarded it to me. He said the man is going to die very soon. And that when he dies, he's going to mark something. You understand? And he said that there's going to be released. That it's, it's a mantle is going to leave behind. And he said a mantle somebody has left. Him. Who's the second person? T.L. Osborne. Yes. And that those two, two mantles be combined. Let's make a long story short. And people have to carry them and go into the world with a powerful evangelistic anointing to save the lost, to prepare for the second coming of Christ Jesus. And I thought about it. You think God will just carry this mantle to just throw on anybody? You know, there are people that God is, he knew that one day I will have to share this mantle out. And he would test people with simple things like money, mount the pulpit, preach, let me hear you talk. Ken Higgins said something. When the Lord gave him a special anointing to heal the sick, he said the Lord warned him and said, be careful about money. He gave him two warnings. One, don't touch the gold. Gold, as said, there are two kinds of gold now. The first gold, the glory. Make sure that for everything that happens, you give the glory to me. But that was not too much of a problem, he said, because next he warned him, he said, be careful about money. Then he repeated that one. He didn't repeat the first instruction. This second one he repeated. He said, Be careful about money. What was the reason? He said, Many people that have that put my anointing upon, they've ruined everything. Why? Love of money. And we can see it into this, to this environment. today's society. It's all over the place. And like the Lord said to Kennah directly in that vision. He said, healing, people will give anything when their loved ones are sick. Mm. Oh, they will give anything. They will give anything. So he warned in my head, get ready for it. He said, many people that he anointed, go and read this man's book, um, Demos, your parents, happiest people on earth. Told the story of one young preacher. The kind of anointing, Demos had been supporting ministers, organizing meetings. He had never seen that kind of anointing. The guy was 30 something. He said, but he had also never seen that kind of love of money in any preacher. He said this man loved money. He had never seen that type. The day they finished the meeting, the guy spent two hours collecting offerings. He said he only stopped when he was sure everybody was broke. He said that's when he stopped. Do you understand? Imagine I've been teaching here for one hour. Now let's share the grace. Before we share the grace, I have a special unction upon me right now to receive a special offering. Two hours. Two hours. Saying only stopped when he was sure that nobody had any nickel left in their pockets. All kinds of miracles by his hands. Up. That was when, <laughs> and he let me know, start telling that story. Read it in his book, Happiest Full On Earth. Make a long story short, he didn't see the man again for the next few years. The next time he saw the man, the man looked dirty he looked unkempt. It was obvious life had shown him pepper. So he came to beg him for, guess what? Money. So he gave him some money. But three years later, I he heard the man was dead. He was 40-something. He said, heavily anointed. He threw everything away for the love of money. He, he didn't feel too bad. According to him, he just remembered what Charles Price used to say. The anointing was wasted. When I emphasize something, Finding people is not exactly an easy thing for the Lord. And that's my preaching. Make yourself available. That's why I wrote a book like, um, Don't Quit the Army. Please, read the book. It's available on our website for to download for free. Christianity is not, Jesus didn't die to make you enjoy life. <laughs> Enjoyment is not the aim of Christianity. The amount of money you have or don't have is not a sign that you are pleasing to God. If Jesus bowed to the devil, he would have been the richest man in the world. Are you getting my point? You can gain the whole world and not have any eternal life. That's what Jesus said. What does it profit a man? The young man that came to him was very rich, and he was looking for what? Eternal life. So let's know the things that are important. That's what we are preaching. Money is not what is important. Your ministry has the biggest church in Nigeria, or the biggest auditorium Or you have the best cars or whatever. It doesn't say anything about the effectiveness of your ministry. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you are serving God. Look, listen. Material things don't say it is not a sign. That's not what we are pursuing in Christianity. Seven keys to success. Teaching it does not mean you are going to be rich tomorrow. Because success is not determined by money. See, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. So you can take the 70 keys of success and people don't necessarily get richer. What God is looking for is hard, you know what hardened people who can take tough, the tough side of life. Who don't run away at every little bit of discomfort. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, endure what? You know, I I like the King James expression there. He said, "Endure hardness." You know, hardship be like say things rough, small. Yeah. Hardness, means, Oh boy, <laughs> hey, hey. this is the height of roughness. No, he said, "I said that guy is going through hardship. They didn't pay salary for two months. Is that not hardship?" Hardness is that <laughs> when your boat capsizes and you are floating for twenty-four hours, waiting for rescue because you are going to preach the gospel. That is hardness. I like that one. Paul said, endure what? Hardness. We need Christians, or God needs Christians that can endure hardness. Who they are not afraid. I don't measure, they don't measure the success in ministry by the, I mean, their last birthday. What did the church buy for them? Charles Finney, you know how effective he was in ministry? You know he didn't have a honeymoon. He got married. And then his wife he's coming. And that's it. One month before she saw him again. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Now you know why you're still talking about him? A long time after. That's why. Yeah. Listen, the missionaries that came down here, they were not... Listen. Boats now have engines, right? Yeah. They crosses our Atlantic in two weeks. They'll be carrying all kinds of cargo. Two weeks, they reach where they are going. Those days, they use sails. Apart from pirates, people hardly die in a ship accident. These boats are very safe. The ships that those missionaries who used those days, let me tell you the truth, they took three months to cross. And if the storm was too bad, they flipped over and killed everybody. Yet men went for missions. Which meant that <laughs> if a missionary in Africa writes a letter to the family in America, he gets a reply in six months. So, way, whether your uncle or your husband or your brother is dead or alive, it takes three months after he dies or he leaves before you find out. A man went for the mission. so. Now, you know, <laughs> I tell you, oh, praise God. I'll, I'll, I'll be ministering in the US uh, next week. It's only 12 hours. <laughs> i have reached sure that I'm going. I'll tell you, okay, I'll be back for next, um, next um, Saturday. is a Bible study. Praise God. This is not a big deal. And I'll not be complaining. This people couldn't even buy me a business class ticket. I sat straight for 10 hours. Remember our story? When we come from Accord, you know, the road was very rough. We we'll see things. We we'll see suffering for gospel. I said, i laughing. I was just thinking to myself. I said, I'm laughing. Is came with the and asked guy okay, what is funny? I said, I'm just laughing. You call this suffering? You're yeah, inside an air-conditioned car. In fact, that's all you need to know. The car was air-conditioned. Okay, the road is bad. So instead of two and a half hours, it takes four hours. Four hours of which part of you stop on the road to buy oranges. And those, those guys that sell the oranges, the first dash you want free to show you that the one they are selling is sweet. It's a lie anyway. The one they sell to you. The one they give you free is not the one they are selling to you. Trust me. <laughs> They will stop on the road and um, buy roasted yam. And I said I said that day, I said, Lord, please, if I ever grumble in my mind, in fact, send us to Medjugorje, I think it's good. <laughs> so you can say that I went to preach. The Lord is good. Right. What am I going to say? That God needs tough believers. Are you getting my point? Tough believers that don't consider it something to talk about that uh, we didn't eat for two days. What's the big deal? You didn't eat for two days, you, leave, you had a bed. You didn't eat for two days. You were not stranded on a boat that capsized and you are hanging onto a scrap of wood that fell off. I, I always like to tell the story of John Jilik. Very rich man by the standards of those days. He, he sold everything. Start believing God for money to take a boat to come to South Africa. Listen to me. God needs tough people. Not tough Christians alone. I need to talk about that. Let's, I'm talking about missionary, 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 missionary. My missionary is alone. It's not, not every Christian is going to be a preacher. You know, the way some of us are preachers. But all of us are ministers of the gospel. Every single one. Every single one is a minister of the gospel. And we minister the gospel in different ways, in different areas. There was a two-day workshop in my office. This where they came to teach medical teachers how to be good teachers. And how to be good doctors. So two things how to be a good teacher to students, and how to be a good doctor to patients. Two, you know, senior white men. And occasionally, they will let you know. I was telling myself, this is this an interesting kind of ministry. I've not seen this before. They gathered us for two days, and occasionally they will say that, well, uh, their role model is the Lord Jesus is the best teacher, so everything that they are teaching is based upon the principles of the British men. And they will stand constant, daily alternate between the two of them. For two straight days, part of the lecture was to analyze um, from Luke chapter... You know, yeah, I'm serious. One of the lectures, they took a parable of Jesus. Yeah, the Good Samaritan. They took the Good Samaritan and broke down how Jesus... That was taken by one of the people they are training in Nigeria. One of my younger, younger colleagues. They are training that guy to carry the thing around. So it was not that took that particular lecture. So I was thinking, I said, wow, this is a different kind of ministry. And they just go, as they were talking, they had two, they came, they were four in the team. Two guys and two ladies. The two guys are, they are doctors, you know, specialist doctors. The two ladies are nurses. So those two ladies were on the campus teaching the nursing students, teaching the nursing lecturers, sorry, the lecturers that taught in the school of nursing. They were there teaching. They, they would drop it in for you once in a while. Um, uh, our role model is the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, will believe that he's the best teacher. Uh, he's the most compassionate person that ever lived. And these are the principles by which he did his work. And we're trying to adapt that. That's ministry. Yeah. So listen, it's not only, let's, let's get it clear. It's not only preachers that are doing ministry. If you expect preachers to endure hardship, every Christian should know how to do what? Endure hardship. We need to know how to make the right sacrifices in life. We need to know how to forego money and comfort. We, to, we need to know how to focus on things that are more important. When I say Christians make decisions these days, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. What is in front for them is, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and where with us shall we be closer? That is the first thing. But if a preacher comes... And twist the word of God to raise an offering. They will be the first to talk about it. But they have abandoned their destinies for what they will eat. And there is no problem with it. They have no problem telling lies to sell their goods. And make a profit. There is, to them there is no problem. But let a preacher get up and come and say. I read from, you know. starts quoting scripture out of context. So you will bring all you have this morning. Because God said they will go out and be talking. The same person finishes talking, goes to his own marketplace, and is looking for how to collect everything from the next guy that comes. And to him, there is no problem. Let's get it clear. The standard is the same for preachers and for people who are not preachers. We are all ministers of the gospel. If we are in our business places, we tell the truth, we don't lie. We endure hardship. We don't just close up a business because it's not giving us what we want. Sometimes we look around and say, how have I been impacting people from this area? You may say, ah, this is where I share tracks from, share magazines from, distribute messages from. Yeah, this, this, this shop is just managing to break even. In fact, I'm losing a bit of money on it. If I close it, I will make money on the other end. Say, but now I'm going to leave both of them open. Why? Because the number of gospel materials I distribute from here, let that be my offering. I'm losing 5000 every month after paying staff, paying rent, paying everything. But let it be an offering. I said, my, 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 my friends with me note. they said something. That sometimes you want to rent a house. And just before you pay, the Elijah finds out that you're a pastor. He will, he will refuse to rent the house to you. Nobody else is renting it to him. And he says, it's my contribution to the jihad. He just lost the rent of half a million naira. He said, yes, that half a million dollar loss is my contribution to jihad. Because by it, I have denied a Christian preacher accommodation. Are you getting my point? Look, what are we preaching? What are we trying to do? Raising people for the Lord who are tough. Who are serious minded. Who are mission minded. Who look, look at their lives, first of all, as a mission. I was reading Ecclesiastes again overnight because, like I told you, I was trying to put some things together. The teaching I did, I was trying to put it down in writing. I read it again. (laughs) Solomon said, there's no wisdom that can come after this one. He said it. He said, this I have found out. When I tell you, everything is vanity. Believe me. There is no wisdom you'll ever be able to produce to prove this thing wrong. It's a matter of fact. Everything is vanity. It's chasing after the wind. The problem, many times, we Christians... We use the gospel to chase after wind. I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. So, if you want to build a house before the end of this year, you will, you, know, you will. This is how you will prophesy. This is how you will sow your seed. You will envision it and begin to declare. God say, even if you declare from now to tomorrow, use spiritual machinations to bring that house to being It's still vanity. Let them use the highest grade cement, iron rods double the size required for your beams and pillars. Is still vanity. There are prayers I've not been able to pray in a very long time. No, that is there are things I have not been even in doing ministry. <laughs> hey, you know I, I I I I don't know maybe in the last fifteen years yeah I've not been able to open my mouth. Maybe we are going to do a program. We are starting a mission work somewhere. I've not been able to open my mouth and ask God for numbers. Never in this place. I have never prayed, God, fill this place with people. Like, like, God forbid. There are things I can't do. Projecting number that Lord, by this time will be this one and so number. I can't. I can't. Why? Number is vanity. You say, Pastor Bank, how do you pray therefore? I just come for a prayer. i to hear the way we pray. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there must be no end. Everybody that needs to hear this word, Lord, send this word to them. Those who have appointed, we call them in the name of Jesus. Send laborers into your harvest. That's the kind of thing we do. That's what I've been praying for years. Look, maybe we are going to Portugal, we are doing a program. I just said, Lord, there are hungry people. There are people you want to reach. There are those looking for the truth. There's a, there are people you need to connect with this anointing. I pray for those people one by one like that. And I call them in the name of Jesus. Lord, send your angels out. Let him gather them. Make a way for them. Provide for them. After that, I leave it like that. More people follow me than followed Jeremiah. More people believe me than believe Isaiah. Isaiah. Who believed him? He said, I've spent my strength for nothing, for vanity. Jeremiah said, all my church planting only brought me enemies. Now, it wasn't church planting. I'm just the one adding it to it. He said, the preaching of the word only brought me enemies. He alienated my friends from me. So that was when he said, I won't preach again. But the still fulfilled his ministry. John the Baptist drove away those trying to follow him. The sea kept coming. When Jesus taught serious revelation... Everybody ran away. The multitude that followed Jesus, he didn't trust them one bit. But I'm say, sometimes, we take the gospel and want to use it to pursue vanity. And they will not be complaining. That nation is not moving forward. I have reasoned about it. If God listened to everybody, we'll be far backward. Far backward, more than we are right now. When I'm talking to my wife, sometimes I say it surprises me that God still finds enough excuse to bless people, that He must be very merciful. No, He must be very merciful. Listen, Christians must be different, they must be tough people, their value system must be different. When I say be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the word mind refers to how you interpret things, what matters to you, your ability to put the appropriate value on things. When Jesus says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses, it means that when you are making decisions, you it then becomes a part of you. Tell you once, the one a lady was getting married, another lady was not telling me about it. Ah. You know, we are just talking about the way he said, oh, that girl is very lucky. And I was confused. He said, the girl is very lucky. I said, ah, how is she lucky? You know, I only wanted to know. I don't know what I get the point. You no, know, as a you maybe expecting that there's a word, you know, like if you marry Jacob, you are very lucky. You marry Isaac, you are very lucky. You thought the problems you bring into your life, but at least you have a promise. <laughs> you know, maybe I, I was expecting to hear something like that. You marry somebody with the promise of God on his head. Later, on, I listened to this guy, I realized what she called lucky. And I was, you know, you know, you know, when you think, you think everybody's thinking like you. It was a shock to me. Why is she very lucky? This young woman was marrying an important person, you know, both financially and politically. So, in my mind, that's what you call luck. Sorry to say this. Oh, I remember in my mind, I said, you must be daft. You call that luck. You call that. You, are you getting my point? What is lucky in that? I wasn't trying to be spiritual. How would like, how do you call that? What is lucky about that? How? Believers are people that are transformed. They, they have the different value system. That's what I'm to emphasize. Please, we need to look. God is looking for people, serious people. People that even if the gospel of Hyper grace that they are preaching now, even if they were true, it wasn't true. They are not interested. Even if it was true, they wouldn't be interested. Like I say all all the time, jokingly, that if God comes and says, Banky, I like the labor you and your guys have done in ministry. So I want to reward you. Say, Lord, yes. So I approve her. Take two wives extra each. (laughs) You know, I going to tell him, Lord, thank you very much. Okay, Munti is <laughs> a data guy. Give him my. Own. <laughs> give him my. When he gets <laughs> to ah, don't check him. Israel is strong man. Just give him the phone. <laughs> that even if God offered, are you getting my point? The atheist will tell him that, sorry, sir, we're not interested. So there are some gospel people have been arguing over. I said, why are you even interested in the gospel that says that no matter the sin you commit, no matter how many people you kill, no matter the dirty you do, don't worry, Jesus does not judge people. I I heard the man preaching. He said, Jesus is not a lion. He's a lamb. He said, but the elder said, the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He said, the elder did not see well. He said, he didn't see well. So the fact that you are in the spirit does not mean your eyes are clear. <laughs> and I asked people to say to me, I said, what is the point this man is trying to make? What's the point? Ah, he said, he has to defend the doctrine that Jesus never punishes sin. So that's what it's about. The doctrine that Jesus never punishes sin. I said, okay, is that where we are going? Listen, God is looking for Christians that even if he did not punish sin, they are still not interested in it. They are still not interested because they don't understand how it works out the righteousness of God in their lives. Like I said on Tuesday, was it Tuesday I said it here or when? That if they compress the whole of life, the whole of eternity into the Atlantic, it becomes the same size and the same volume of water as you have in the Atlantic Ocean. This life you have for 120 years maximum is not more than a, it's not up to a drop in that Atlantic. So I think it's a be foolishness not to realize that that drop of time should be effectively used in preparing for the span of the Atlantic which is eternity is actually more than. That's what we are talking about. God wants tough Christians, believers who he can trust, believers that when he says sell all you have, give to the poor, to them is nothing. Sacrifice Isaac. How do you want him? In one piece or in five pieces? Are you getting my point? People that he trained, no, they were not born like that. He trained them to that level by himself. That's what we're talking about. People have paid attention to his word, attention to his spirit, so that he's pouring his life, his nature into them so that they react exactly the way he reacts to things. So when they realize that the world is perishing, they say, No problem, we'll quickly go down and down the cross for the world. Why? Because they have the spirit of Christ. The Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All the time. So that's what I'll be looking at. All right, I'm just talking about that. So God, God needs us. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. He needs people, and we must make sure that we are people that He can use. People are difficult to find. They are very, very difficult to find. Now, sometimes people would—I'm, I mean, of course—I've <laughs> not done anything yet. Really, that's not supposed to be humility. This is fact. Are you getting my point? It's not that Pastor van just being humble. No, I am not being humble. I'm telling you the truth. Uh-huh. No, so I, I, all right. I'm, I'm. 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 It's a matter of fact. But sometimes the little that I've experienced. Well, sometimes people. will, You know, you get mails, you get testimonies. People will talk to you how they've been so blessed. Somebody sent a message to my wife the other day. Nothing was his birthday or wedding anniversary or stuff. Just thanking God for His life. Said so he remembered the day he gave his life to Christ. You know, mentioned the day and say, oh, God bless Pastor Banky for the message he preached that day. Honestly, that was the day I found out. I didn't know. I just preached like normal. You know the way you just preach. Do you get my point? (laughs) Sometimes I get all of these things. Occasionally I tell my wife, I say, baby, do you realize something? Do you know we could have said no? You think that I could have said... I said, do you know we could have said no that we are not coming to Enugu to preach? After all, when I was coming to Enugu, people warned me. That is like I say, look, this guy, you sure you are thinking straight? No, think about it. No, you know Nigeria. You know Nigeria. By the time I came to Enugu to start working, I'd only been to Enugu once in my life before then. Came to Enugu in the year 2000. Before that, I came to Enugu in 1988. Spent two nights in the United campus for a Christian medical conference. I mean, look, but I still remember one of my guys in the U.S. now. He persuaded me on this visa lottery thing. He tried. He tried. He tried. When I told him I was going to get a job you know, in the university and all of that, like this boy, he'd be like, hey, You like poverty, Sha? Mm-hmm. Are you not trying to break out of this, you know, this mancia, financial Monsia that you have been going around and around? You get what I'm trying to say? I tell him, Look, you don't, let me tell you the truth then. Let me say something to you. When you are refusing the Lord, you don't just tell him no. You know, you know, nobody comes to the Lord and just say no. The Lord says, I have called you. Say so you have not called me. Stop that nonsense. Nobody says that. What they always do is the same. Look, that's how it is. It's always a choice that does not put the plan of God as priority. That's all. That's all. It's always like it's always like that. It's always like that. They make choices that don't put that call in front. That's why, see, the Lord is emphatic about what you do first. He said what? Seek first the kingdom of God. That one came to Jesus and said, let me first go and bury my father. So people usually don't just say to God, no. They just rearrange the priorities. They're now putting me in number two, number three place. And like I saw, James Smith said, he's either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. A man came to me and said, now that I have reached the peak of my career in academics, I can now have time. See, I now want to move into ministry. In my mind, you are not called. Let, listen, let's forget this thing. You're not called. You are not called. I went home that day and told my wife, maybe you'll come and see what I heard today. I said, please, if I ever say this to you, remind me that I told you to warn me that this is the beginning of widowhood for you. I said, I make this statement? No. There are things Jesus doesn't play with. So forget that joke. He's a lion. He bites. So. I keep on saying, the Jesus that rose from the dead is not the same one that was crucified. Life has stages. When he went to the cross, it was a lamp. When he rose up, John the Baptist saw him, you know, and fell down as if he was dead. Are you getting my point here? Uh I said, there are things you will say. Jesus just said, remove that boy's head. People usually don't don't just tell God, I'm not doing. They put him in a wrong place in their lives. That's all they do. The priorities are different. So that one said to Jesus, I will follow you. That's not the problem. He said, but my father is calling me. I need to answer my father first. I need to get back home, settle him first. I have to wait for him to die. We'll settle the family inheritance. Then I will come and follow you. People never say to Jesus, I'm not doing. They just have their eyes on something else when they are supposedly obeying him. They put their hands on the plow. So looking forward. What are they doing? They're looking back. That's how they disobey him. They go out. Sorry, I'm a preacher. So I keep on using preaching as an example. They go out for missions, you know. But then they come back after five years. The boys they left behind have bought new cars. They've built houses. And in missions, you know, there's no gratuity in mission. I hope you know that. So There's no gratuity. You're not going to get back home and they say, okay, for five years you were, you were away. God said, "I bought you two hectares of land." Bishop has completed the first floor of the seven-story building. He doesn't do such things for people. You just come back, and all your friends will say that. How long are you staying? You can use my guest room. That's the best he will do for you. If you need anything, let me know. I like the way the reprint said it. I did your forty or in his early forties. Now I get my point. This was a Cambridge professor a well-educated man, had the university appointment before he went up to the war. He was supposed he was allowed to return. So at the age of 40, I had 40-something. I'm not sure the age now. I had no money, no bank account, no house, nothing. And listen to this, most importantly, no ambition. (laughs) You know, Pastor Delvan said something when he came to town, Chris Delvan Guamna. I don't know how many of you are at the meeting. <laughs> he said, they said a good leader can tell you, you know, a five-year projection. He said is a lie. He said, Was Moses not a leader in the Bible? He said, What well, he tell the people of Israel? Wait, when the when the cloud moves, we will move. <laughs> He said that's the only thing he used to tell them. They said, Okay, Moses, how long are we going to stay here? Moses said I don't know too. (laughs) He said, This idea of a leader has a clear vision of where they are going. He said it's not the Bible. (laughs) Some of you, maybe you never thought about that till now. It was when he said it to us. It's true. uh, You know when he was around last week? The man said, listen, this story of all this leadership that we do. He says it's not Bible leadership. So Because he thought about it. Moses was a bad leader. When he said, how long are we staying here? He says, I don't know. When they come, he said, we need food. He said, let me go and pray. He said, Moses didn't have plans. He washed out for the movement of the clouds. What God didn't tell him ahead, he did not know. And when they asked him, he told them simply, I don't know. So say so, so the leadership in practicing, he's not saying it's bad, though. It's, not, it's not it's just not Moses type. Derek Prince said he had no ambition. He said there's only one desire he had. He wanted to write Bible teachings for people. So that's the only thing he wanted to do. So he was looking out for an opportunity for to do that. So when they gave him an appointment in one school in Canada where he will come and teach. He said, okay, fine. Then he'll be able to write. He got there. Things didn't work out the way they promised him. They had a bit of disagreement, so he had to leave. Then somebody said, okay, come and join me in pastoring the church in the U.S. So he moved over from Canada to the United States. Then let's make a long story short. He said, at that time, this biographer said, at that time, what happened was that, that Stephen Mansfield, that most preachers were shouters. You understand my point? Screamers. They had good, I mean, good uh, spiritual manifestations. He said, but methodical, systematic teaching of the scriptures was rare. Yeah. So this was a combination for Americans. He said was interesting. One, it was British. So when you hear him talk, you know, you know, this guy is not American. So curiosity, they wanted to hear what he had to say. Two, he knew the scriptures, and three, he believed in spiritual things. Can uh, the Red Prince said. He thought every Christian spoke in tongues. Why? Because nobody preached it to him. He gave his life to Christ. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the desert, in his military barracks. He had a dramatic manifestation. He said so. He didn't even know, in you know, all these arguments the people speak in tongues, they don't. He never heard it. A personal experience with the Holy Spirit was what he had. And he was because he read the Bible. You can listen to his message. Disciple in the desert. He read his Bible himself. When they said that um, Jesus heals, he was sick. He got healed, believing the word of God. He ministered to people. They got healed. Say, so he never used to feel anything. He would just pray and continue normally. The person would be, come. He would come next day and say he got healed. He, he's, as, he's as surprised as the person that he prayed for. So when this man came and started preaching, he taught the scriptures and preached with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he believed in spiritual gifts and demonstrated them, including casting out of demons. So, for according to Stephen Mansfield, his biographer, that that was an unusual combination for the Americans. So, when they saw it, they grabbed it. That's how his ministry took off. He was constantly booked, constantly booked. Americans wanted to listen to him. And according to when he you hear him talk about it in one of his messages, he said Americans that they've been good to him, that they received his ministry, they showed him the kind of respect he never got back home in England. And when his first wife died, he said she died from the, a house more beautiful than every kind of house he ever lived in or left behind to go and serve God. Beautiful house, I think in Florida. See, at the age of 40, however, he had no money, no bank accounts, no house, nothing. And he said, no ambition. At a point in time, I don't know about now, half of the globe was listening to him on a daily basis. When his he head of the Red Prince Ministries New Zealand, he heard it, he was surprised. They said he should sign papers. He didn't know they had been broadcasting him on radio in New Zealand. In China, they got some, they translated his messages to their language, read the messages out, and gave him a Chinese name. <laughs> Are you getting my point? They gave him, is it Min Chao Min, something like that. Yeah, I'm serious. They gave him a completely Chinese name. Listen, they, trans- they translated the messages. He would say something, and the Lord said, they say said, chan, chan, and then they did it. They had a voice. Somebody voiced him in China, in Mandarin, in different Chinese languages. And they give that they gave him a Chinese name. Direct Prince Ministries China is not run by direct prince, run by a Chinese man. Talk about influence. This was a man who had no ambition. So let's get it clear. So when Pastor Devan was saying it, it was it last week or two weeks ago? He said, Leadership. He said, Christian leadership is knowing how to follow the spirit of God. He said, it's not the Holy Spirit of God. That's, this one we're talking about. Says, That's not Christian leadership. That's worldly leadership. You have a five-year plan. He said, good. I know me, I preached here before. If all your plans have been working out, you know, God has not blessed you yet. When you know you are blessed, he said, you make a plan. It feels, <laughs> God, thank you. I thought you were not working in my life before. You make a 10-year projection. <laughs> At the end of the second year, it's as if you are, in the, you are still in the first month. Just be. Thank- don't be angry. Thank the Lord. Say, Lord, it looks like you are not in this journey because I am mean, not going anywhere with you on this thing. Ten-year projection, God must cut it. I know He doesn't give. He, he, he doesn't give us enough of that. He has to. He has to do things you did not imagine. He has to show you that He planned things ahead. You are just walking in. What, what gives us the impression we sit down to plan everything together? Read your Bible well. Most people he spoke to, the Jeremiah's, the Paul's, when they hear their assignment in life, they usually are surprised. Jeremiah, you're a prophet. said, Lord, well, prophets are usually old people, bold people who can speak. So Jeremiah was a priest, but he never thought he was going to be a prophet. Are you getting my point here? Paul was persecuting the thing he was supposed to promote. He was ordained by God to be an apostle to the nations. Yet the first assignment he gave himself in life is, I must end this church. That was the first assignment he gave himself in life. That this church of God must come to an end. And Jesus was looking at him and smiling. When Jesus apprehended him, he said, now you are going to promote the very thing you try to end. God makes look listen, look, God plans things. Plans look look, some of you will marry the the day you marry, you say this girl, so now you are married. You wouldn't believe it. You've known her for a long time, it has never crossed your mind. We are looking at me, some of you are afraid. (laughs) It's a good thing, trust me.